So 2 Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 6 through to the end. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, He distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will... Glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Thanks, Peter. Good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is James, part of the team here, and we're going to be talking about uh, what it looks like to live a generous life. Let me clear up a few things before I start. Um, Mark Angie, I think, is intelligent, John. Um, so come along to the Men's Learning Day. And Tian, I got into ministry because I hated my job. Um, no. <laughs> no. No, that's not, not true at all. Um, it's, it's a great privilege, and um, I, I think I enjoyed my job. So um, before I start, let me just tell you, about the Good Samaritan experiment. You might have heard of it. Uh, Back in the 70s at one of the big American universities, uh, they got some uh, theology students together, people training for ministry, um, a bit like what I've done, what Neil's done, what Tian's about to start. And they said, you need to prepare a short talk on the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, I'll assume you're familiar with the story. And then they said... uh, once you've prepared your talk, you need to go to this other building a few blocks away and deliver the talk. And uh, on the way, on one of the, the blocks on the journey, the researchers, the people conducting the experiment, had arranged for an actor to be there and pretend that he was in distress, um, needing particular help. It's a classic setup, really. Uh, prepare a talk on the Good Samaritan and then put, put someone in need right before the eyes of those preparing the talk. It's a classic setup. Uh, only 50% of the, the people studying theology, preparing a talk on the Good Samaritan, stopped to help this person. 50%. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Most of us, uh, I think, understand what this series is about. We've been talking about um, generosity. We've learned about how God is generous to us. We've uh, been challenged on our hearts. Most of us understand and improve, approve the principle of being generous, um, but it's much harder to put it into practice. Now, I know here there's many people that uh, are exceptionally generous, and not just in their attitudes, but in their actions. I'm, I'm grateful to, for that. This, 
not so much a, um, you know, I'm sure some of us will come away feeling challenged, but um, I don't think it's a, um, this isn't a, a rebuke or anything, but I think most of us, and I put myself in this category, uh, moving from principle to practice when it comes to being generous um, can be hard. Um, so the aim today is to be as concrete and specific as I can about what a generous life looks like. And I want to say, uh, and I'm building very much on what's come in the last few weeks, the first two talks. Um, we go, generous lives. Four things. Uh, a generous life will be sacrificial, will be systematic, will be spontaneous, and will be selfish. And you're probably wondering what that last point is, is going to be. You'll have to keep listening until the end. Uh, I think it's, it's crucial, in fact. Uh, so they're the four things uh, that I want to say to you about what a generous life will look like. So first of all, I think we need to learn to live more sacrificially in order to be generous. I think here's the problem many of us face. When uh, requests or for, for giving in some way, whether that's money or time or anything else, when opportunities ar- arise to be generous, we feel like we can't give because we're at our limit. We've got nothing to give. This is a bit like what Barry uh, was doing in his all-age spot. It's hard to give because we're, we feel stretched. We're at our limit. Um, that's not an easy situation to be in, and I'm not suggesting that if you feel like that, it's because of an unwise or, or sinful decision. That's not necessarily the case, but it's good to think about how we've got here. Uh, how have we got to this point where we find it so hard to give? Um, let me go back to the Good Samaritan experiment, because I didn't give you the whole story. Um, the experimenters, as well as sending the groups off to deliver the talk in the, in the building a few blocks away, um, they said to some of the students, if you leave now and walk at a normal pace, you'll be a bit early to deliver your talk. You've got time, um, you know, the audience is there, but um, you've got plenty of time, you'll be early. They said to another group of students... If you leave now, you probably want to, you know, go quickly because the audience is waiting, you're going to be a little bit late. Now, can you imagine which group it was that stopped to help the person in need, the actor? Of course, it was the people that felt like they had time, the ones that thought they were early. Uh, And the researchers concluded, this is really interesting, the researchers concluded that uh, for those people that, uh, didn't stop. It wasn't necessarily a lack of generosity or, or a heartless attitude. Um, it was conflicting obligations. Uh, that, that sense that the students running late didn't want to um, uh, inconvenience the people waiting at the other end. And isn't that, that experiment and that finding just a, an absolute parable of modern life? Um, I take it that many of us, as we grow in our generosity of heart, um, we're hamstrung by conflicting obligations. Uh, We have all kinds of commitments, uh, whether they're financial, time, emotional, uh, and uh, in the end, sadly, uh, being generous to those outside our initial sphere just gets lost because we don't feel like we have the capacity. So I think the first step 
uh, one of the first steps in leading a generous life, as, as well as rejoicing in God's generosity to us, is to lead a more sacrificial lifestyle. I thought at one point about labelling this first point a simple lifestyle, but we know that it's far from simple with you know, all the different affairs uh, going on in life. But we need to be more sacrificial, becoming more ruthless in distinguishing between necessities and luxuries. We need to find ways to live that create margin in our lives to be generous to others. See, objectively speaking, we're all incredibly rich. But how many of us here feel rich? Um, I think we have, we'd have ten times more uh, possessions and privileges than even the rich young ruler that Jesus spoke to. Um, but we are a product of our culture. There's an American author called Tim Keller you might have heard of. He's, he passed away recently. He describes it this way, uh, and I think it applies to us just as it does to Americans. He says, it's the frog in the kettle problem. Maybe you know that, uh, that sort of story. Basically, you put a frog in a pot of boiling water, and they'll sense the danger, and they'll jump out. Um, some of you, I don't know, I've got blank faces. Has anyone heard of the... Yeah, there's a few, few wise wise old sages that have heard, heard of the, the illustration. You put a frog in a pot of boiling water, it'll sense the danger and jump out straight away. Uh, you put a frog in a pot of ordinary water and it just increase the temperature a little bit, um, it'll never really sense the danger and it'll just comf- get comfortable and end up being cooked to death. Uh, and Tim Keller says that's, that's like what it is for us with... Uh, modern greed and modern materialism. Um, Americans of 40 years ago, he said, would be shocked to see what Christians today think of as necessities. But we view things this way because we keep defining basics the way the consumer capitalist culture wants us to, which is always being defined upward and fast. Um, don't, Don't you do that when you think about your lifestyle, your standard of living, what you have. We can... We're so quickly to compare ourselves to people that are better off materially than worse off. Um, I think that's, that's a, a root problem with our ability to be generous. Um, so Paul in uh, 1 Timothy says in, in verse 7 there, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. I think if we don't go some way to learning contentment with a relatively simple life, we'll find it very hard to be generous. Um, So there's one fellow, John Wesley. He's an English minister from a few hundred years ago. He said this. He said, when I die, if I leave behind me just 10 pounds, you and all mankind can bear witness against me that I've lived and died a thief and a robber. He's saying, if if I just... uh, put aside uh, 10 pounds and it ends up not being used uh, by the time uh, I I die, you can call me a thief and a robber. And what he did with his life uh, stands as a, well, as as a rebuke to us and and an incredible example. So he's well known for adopting this approach where he worked out what what life cost 
um, and he gave the rest away. So year one, and these are, you know, figures are sort of generalised here, 28 pounds to live back in that day, he was able to give away two pounds. But as his income increased, uh, he didn't change, you know, his cost of living, he was just able to give more. Um, and you can see how it progressed. That's a, a confronting but uh, wonderful example of someone whose generosity was enabled by their simple lifestyle. Uh, but in our day and age, this approach to life just would seem absurd. But we're not of this world because we belong to Jesus. Um, so that's my first encouragement to you. Find a way to live a sacrificial, simple life in order to create margin to be generous. Someone uh, who I won't name said they hadn't bought new clothes for 10 years. Um, I'm not necessarily endorsing that. Um, it's very hard to be prescriptive, but um, it caught my attention. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, so as well as leading a sacrificial lifestyle, we want to be systematic. A generous life is systematic. Maybe you're, you're thinking, oh, I could afford to lead a more simple lifestyle, but you're not sure what the next step is. Well, one way of advancing in that lifestyle is to be systematic in your generosity. See, it's a myth. It's a bit of a myth that being generous is, is something that's always driven by sentiment and feeling and um, needs that arise in special moments. Um, it's, it might not be divorced from those things, but if we only think of generosity in those terms, I think we've, we've not really grasped it you know, properly. So we want to be systematic with our generosity. And I think we can draw this principle from 2 Corinthians 9, chapter 7. You'll, you'll notice we're not thoroughly examining that whole passage the way we ordinarily might, um, but there's some helpful verses in it, which, and we'll come to some more later. But verse 7 is pretty well known. Uh, each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God, compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And maybe you've heard that, the last bit of that uh, verse many times, God loves a cheerful giver. And so you've, it's added to that sense that, um, you know, giving must spring from a, um, a, a sentimental, uh, impulsive sense of euphoria. Oh, I'm going to be generous. But what I noticed it comes in the first half of the verse. Uh, each person should do as he has decided in his heart. And in fact, you could translate that word decided, decided beforehand. So what Paul's referring to here, as he encourages the Corinthians, is to think carefully uh, and make a deliberate, intentional, considered decision about how you will give. Uh, it's not an afterthought. It's not um, just a, a moment of impulse. No, it's a deliberate, considered decision. We ought to be systematic. Let me just say four things. Excuse me, my nose is a bit itchy. Um, four things about being systematic. Some of this will, you've heard this before. Some of you, perhaps not so much. Can I urge you to budget? Um, I'm not intending to sound patronising here at all. Um, 
But part of being systematic with being generous is budgeting, knowing how much money we get in and making conscious plans to allocate that uh, to your different needs, including to be generous with. Um, I used to work in retail as a young adult. I would get an envelope with cash. Um, I don't know if they do that anymore. Um, the people that are conscientious about tax, their eyes just widened. Um, uh, I was still taxed, don't worry. Um, it wasn't that kind of job. Um, but I would, I think, I, I was being challenged by the Bible's teaching at times, so I would just take one of the bills at the start and put it aside. Uh, it wasn't, I'll only be generous once I've spent everything else and if there's some left. No, I'd, I'd put it aside, and we can do that as we work out how much our income is and, and, and allocate it. Um, it's, I'm not prescribing a dollar figure. It's hard to do. We know in um, the Old Testament there's a law about giving 10%. That might be a guide, but it's not a binding law for Christians. In fact, I read somewhere that 10% ought to be a minimum for Christians because God has been so much more generous to um, his new covenant people in Jesus that it would be strange if we were less generous than the old covenant people, the Jews, um, under their legal system. Now, that's, that's not a... I'm not pre- sort of declaring a, a rule there, but it's food for thought, isn't it? So budget. Um, and then once you determine um, your budget, and I'm, it pains to say we're... The most natural application to what we're talking about here is money, but... I think we can do the same with our time and the way we serve. Um, once you decide what you're going to give, commit to it. might be a setting up a direct transfer. Um, church treasurers always tell me, uh, not just at this church, but all the church I've been to, it's best when people just give regularly by means of direct debit or transfer uh, rather than, you know, spontaneous. Um, but both are good. Um, but commit. Set, set, set yourself up to contribute uh, regularly and, and follow through. Um, and consider how you can be generous in all spheres of life. Um, so we can be generous with our money. I think that's what we most naturally associate with when we talk about generosity. But we can be generous with our time, with our skill. There might be other things you add to that. Uh, one of the things which I want to challenge is the sense that we can be generous in one... I don't have the... um, I thought I had the lapel mic on. Um, We can be generous in one sphere of life and not others. So you you might think this. You might think, well, I don't have much money. I'll be generous with my time and serve in lots of ways. And, and I, that's, that's not a bad attitude necessarily. I think it's commendable. But it's dangerous because we can find ourselves carving out an area of our life and saying, well, uh, God's not allowed in that part of my life. Um, I'll be generous with my time and my energy, but all my financial affairs, he doesn't get to touch. Um, now, I'm, I don't know everyone's circumstances, um, but I feel like that's a dangerous attitude because when Jesus comes into our life and becomes our king, uh, we're meant to invite him into all areas of our life, all rooms of the home, so to speak. We don't want to keep him out of any. Um, And so I would counsel you, if you think like that, 
um, maybe consider, um, you know, what what your heart, where your heart is leading you. I think even if we have uh, a very limited income, uh, I'm sure God would have us uh, give some. Remember the poor widow from Luke 21. She gave a few coins uh, out of her poverty. Um, so it's not about the amount. It's about being generous in all spheres of life. Um, and uh, so, yeah, consider how you might serve and contribute and give of your resources uh, in, in all spheres of life. And lastly, just as we think about being systematic, I think it's important just to think about what we're giving to, being strategic. Again, you, you could imagine that uh, someone with a generous heart uh, is just seized by moments and opportunities that are put before them without being calculated and systematic in, in what they give to. And I just want to urge, uh, urge us to be thinking carefully about what we give to. There's lots of different causes. Uh, they're not necessarily all equal. Most of them are very good, and we're confronted with them all the time. Um, I do want to say that there's a difference for Christians between uh, secular causes and gospel causes. Um, so I'm sure you're aware of all the needs for um, relieving poverty, aid, researching illness, wonderful things to give to. Uh, don't come away from this morning thinking that those are um, bad things to be supporting. Uh, but I would urge us to lean towards investing in kingdom work, like Tian, as we've heard, or um, overseas mission work, um, churches, things like that. And the reason, there's a few reasons for that. Most unbelievers, most members of society um, that give will give to secular causes, but they'll never give to gospel work. Um, it's only Christians that will give to gospel work. And as Tian has said, uh, as she was alluding to her sense of what's important, um, what's most important is that we teach people about Jesus. Um, now, let me articulate this clearly. I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, the spiritual part of life is more important than the physical part of life. Um, but I think what the Bible teaches unambiguously is that eternal things are more urgent than temporary things. And so, therefore, we ought to be strategic with our giving, um, giving to work that will uh, help people be saved. All right, let's keep going. Just look down the time. Um, as well as being systematic, I think it's right for us to be spontaneous. Now, I was saying that's not the way, but it would be terrible, wouldn't it, if as we budgeted and gave money and um, committed to things, uh, if... As a person, we were never just kind and, and generous uh, in, in everyday moments. I think what God desires is not only people that are systematically generous, but people whose character is kind and giving. Um, uh, I wonder if someone looked at your life and the way you interact with people, um, would they describe you as a generous person, someone that helps uh, and gives as needs arise. I think it's easier to be to follow rules and um, 
budgets and what have you. Um, but we want to be kind, generous characters. I'll give you an example. Um, Ross told us about uh, a friend of his who became a Christian because he was blown away in, by the generous character of someone he'd met. I think there was a group of them that went 10-pin bowling uh, and one of them, an, an unbeliever, uh, had lost his wallet or uh, didn't have his wallet. And then another fellow, one of the Christians, said, oh, that's all right, I'll just I'll pay. Um, a, a sort of nonchalant, I'll just pay for your, your bowling game. No big deal. Um, and this person was struck by that um, ease of, of giving, that, that, the way that that person just held so loosely to their money that they were just happy to pay for the bowling game. Now, that's surely only 20 bucks. It was a small thing. But I wonder if you could ever see yourself doing that. As needs arise, um, perhaps you would only ever do that if uh, you could be assured that that person would buy the next game or would transfer you the money back. Life's full of those moments where we can be a blessing to other people. Um, It would be a shame if we were only systematic in our generosity and never spontaneous. All right, last... Well, there you go, someone... I do this every time. I forget I've got a picture there. That's, I did this last night. And I even said in my sermon last night, oh, maybe tomorrow will be better. But it wasn't. Um, that's, anyway, there you go. That's, that's meant to help us, uh, you know, imagine buying someone a coffee. Um, there you go. Um, so, sacrificial life, simple, content, systematic, organised, committed, spontaneous, um, kind and, and, and uh, benevolent as opportunities arise in small things and big things. Uh, but I think we can also say that to be generous, to lead a generous life, is to lead a selfish life. Now, I'm being deliberately provocative uh, because as we think about generosity, I expect most of us uh, automatically, uh, uh, in our heart of hearts, saying to be generous is to pay a cost. Uh, It means we lose out. But the Bible consistently speaks of being generous in other ways. Um, The Bible says to be generous is good for us. Being generous is good for us. Um, If you have that passage in 2 Corinthians open, just notice verse 6. I'll read it. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Now you can see how that might be misunderstood to say that if you give, God will give money back to you and make you rich. There's some strands of Christianity that teach that. I think that's wrong. Uh, But as a whole, when we look through this passage, what Paul's talking about is the spiritual benefits that uh, accrue to us as we're generous. So verse 10. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food, that's God, will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the minist- this ministry of service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, 
but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Paul's saying that uh, if you give, uh, God sees it. Uh, he rewards it. He, will, he commits to continue providing for your needs, physical and spiritual, uh, and he will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be a source of thanksgiving and encouragement to others. The picture we get from passages like this is that uh, God has appointed our giving as one of his means of growing us in godliness. Uh, As we give, uh, God fills us with encouragement uh, and spiritual fortitude. Um, If you've ever been generous, which I'm sure all of you have, um, I, I I don't know many people that regret being generous and kind to others. God sees your generosity and he blesses spiritually those that give. I think as Barry said, uh, our generosity is an expression of our trust in God uh, and it's one of his appointed means of growing us. Let me leave you with a question that's connected to this last point and perhaps a, a suitable way to bring this series to a close. Do you really believe that uh, following the example of Jesus uh, and obeying God in uh, generous giving, whether that's financial or otherwise, do you really believe that being generous leaves us better off rather than worse off? Do you really believe that uh, obeying God and being generous towards others actually leaves us better off rather than than worse off. I think we can be assured that as we follow the example of Jesus, whose generosity to us is astonishing, um, and as we, with God's help, uh, wrestle back control of our hearts, that we love and treasure things of heaven rather than things of earth, we can be assured uh, that being generous is exactly what God intends for us. And we'll be better off rather than worse off. Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for your immense generosity to us uh, in creation, in salvation, in everyday life. Thank you for promising to work and change our hearts. We do ask that we would treasure things of heaven rather than things of earth. We pray that our hearts wouldn't be captivated and, and in love with, with money and possessions, but rather your kingdom. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to um, take practical steps that the generous hearts you work in us might um, overflow into concrete actions, decisions, plans, budgets, um, commitments to give of ourselves. Father, help us to trust you that to give uh, is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and is for our good. And we pray in his name. Amen.